I've written a lot of silly songs, right. and I've released them also. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello and welcome to WNC Original Music Episode 160, the Dial-A-Disc episode. Very happy to have returning to the podcast this week, Kim Ware. Kim Ware, uh, you might also know as Kim Ware of The Good Graces, or you might know her as The Good Graces. She has a lot of aliases. Kim Ware and The Good Graces have been touring since 2006, and they've shared stages with a lot of great acts such as uh, The Indigo Girls, Granville Automatic, and The Old Ceremony. You can find music and tour dates at thegoodgraces.org, as well as uh, a lot of other websites that you will find in the show notes. And right now, here is Kim Ware.
Capital R was actually, it came out of an assignment from my therapist. And um, yeah, so she, and it wasn't an assignment to write a song Mm -hmm. necessarily, but basically the R, the R is like a feeling that I was dealing with that was kind of unpleasant. Uh And I was talking to her about it and she she likes to do this thing where she'll say, what does it do for you? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, at first I'm like, it doesn't do anything for me. I would, <laughs> I would rather not deal with this, you know? Right. But then she was like, it was kind of near the end of the session. She's like, I want you to write about, cause she knew I was, you know, into doing anything creative to basically try to cope with stuff. She's like, I want you to think about what it does for you and write, you know, write about it. Mm-hmm. And she kind—I of, think she said like I don't know maybe maybe you can write a song about it. But I think right. she she kind of just said that you know in passing, like um. But anyway, so I sat down and I wrote. I ended up writing a letter from the thing to myself about what it does for me, and um, it was really eye opening and it was really really helpful. And a couple of days after that, I guess it was still kind of top of mind, and I just sat down with my guitar with not intending to then write the song version but it just it really just kind of came out and um so that's why i named it capital r because i tend to in the letter version of it i signed it with just like an r mm-hmm. like that sometimes i'll sign you know just k oh, the bottom yeah. of something. so um yeah that's where that song came from and it was really it was very very therapeutic and, and really helpful and it ended up being like pretty rocking and it's really fun to play too <laughs> and of course the r you're talking about is rice aroni that's uh it was in a rice you are the show. only person who have um, who's guessed it correctly on the I'm first an, try even i'm an empath so you know <laughs> there you go yeah i'm a grain a grain empath so if it has to do with rice or wheat or a grain you know, empath. Oats. yeah yeah I've never met one of those well it's a very spe- 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 <laughs> specific specialized kind of empath yeah <laughs> A useless empath. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
Where did you, uh, did you record all these songs at the same place or uh, kind of spread out different places? Well, I recorded all my parts at home. Mm -hmm. And so my home for about the first, I guess, maybe, well, for the first six months that I was working on the album, basically, I was living in Shelby um, in an apartment. We had just moved back to, you know, this area. So I recorded it there. And then for the past couple of years, I've been living in my aunt's old farmhouse um, in Kings Mountain. So I I just I recorded my stuff, my acoustic guitar, my vocals, and then I sent it sent everything to Jerry Key. He, he has a studio in Mebane, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and he added most everything else oh, cool. in his studio. Yeah. That's nice. Does he do Does he do that himself, or does he have session musicians, or was what happens there? He my, he did it himself oh, well. for my album, and I mean he. Save for just two parts. My friend Wyatt Espelon played fiddle on mm-hmm. Palisade Peaches, and then um, Carrie Shaw played oboe on a couple songs. Mm-hmm. Jerry did everything else, and he's just—he's. I mean, he's a multi instrumentalist. His—he was a drummer, I think, was his probably his first instrument. Uh-huh. Um, so he's really good with with drums and like the rhythm section stuff, you know. But he plays lots of synths and you know guitar, obviously, and a lot a lot of the. Other stuff that wasn't me was him.
like a bottle is kind of i sort of consider it a therapy song too um that came out of a workshop that i did with phoebe hunt and it was kind of interesting because i was a little not i don't want to say resistant to what she assigned us to do but i was a little uncertain as to whether it would work but she basically had us um, the whole thing, the whole workshop was about just going really deep um, to come up with, you know, really, really, the songs might not end up that personal, but at least they would start in a place that's really personal and really honest. Mm-hmm. So for this particular like assignment, she wanted us to have a conversation with a really close friend about like past traumas and or deep wounds and then like basically just have the conversation and just tell them like, Hey, I'm supposed to have this conversation and kind of just like see where it goes, you know? And then the second part was to sit down and journal about the conversation, like afterwards, you know, and then just see if a song emerges. And so I called up my friend Wyatt Espelin, who I've just mentioned that played fiddle on Palisade Peaches because we've done some, um tours together and stuff and we've we've ridden very very long distances in his car and had like really deep conversations and so i was like why it would be good for me to do this with right so i called him up and um basically the shortened version is we we discussed a few different things but mostly stuck with just some some bullying that I had experienced when I was much younger and he related it to a more recent relationship I had had in which I was the more like dominant figure. Mm. And I never really thought of what I did in that relationship as bullying per se until he basically called it, that, <laughs> you know, and whether or not you use that word, it did get me thinking about how, um, you know, everything kind of comes around. And I think the dynamics between people, it's so interesting because like you might be in one situation where it's like you are more passive, but then later down the road, maybe, you know, in another with another person, 
you become that like alpha figure or whatever. Um, So that alone, I think, can be really interesting. But then, you know, taking that even further to just the because we all over the course of our lives, we will all be mistreated by someone and we will all mistreat someone, I think, you know, and just kind of thinking about it more with more empathy for the person who mistreated me um, and just understanding that that person was also mistreated at some point, you know, and it, I had never really thought about it in that way until I sat down to write that song. And it really, really helped me a lot. It's one of my favorite songs that I've ever written. Just oh, yeah. the, the power of just the exercise was, was pretty cool. What was the guy's name in uh, Mebbin? Did you say? Jerry Key. Jerry Key. So, uh, so you said Jerry Key uh, did most of the, you know, after you sent him the tracks and then he filled in. This opening with the drums... Was that was that you or did he did he add that? The on like a bottle. Uh yeah. On like a bottle, he did the the drum machine track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's Jerry's. Yeah. He did that. Okay. He did the drum machine programming. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just curious if like when you when you did it when you recorded it, mm-hmm. uh, and sent it to him, were you thinking like how how different is what he brought? to it than what you sent in like were you did you send it in saying hey what if you put some drum machines here or did you send in like acoustic guitar and then he's like oh you know what i'm gonna put like a soulful drum machine and keyboard and all that stuff here yeah he actually um i suggested the drum machine on that Mm -hmm. song and you know all i had so far when i sent it to him it was just a song that i would play on acoustic and i never had heard it with anything else but for some reason in my head for that one like i basically i gave him radiohead as a reference right and and i said you know maybe try a drum machine Hmm. on this one and that that's what he did with it more from kim Ware in just a few moments want to remind you that you can find her music at thegoodgraces.org and also check the show notes for other links directly to the music and her instagram and facebook and all that cool stuff Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, WNC Original Music, wherever you get your podcasts or go to wncoriginalmusic.com. You can see or hear all the uh, back episodes. Also search WNC Original Music on Instagram and Facebook so you'll see a bunch of extras, including links to the show and excerpts from the show. And sometimes some stuff that wasn't on the show. Hey, this is Joe Chang from the band Gold Light. You're listening to WNC Original Music. Corrections and clarifications from last week's episode with Matt Masterson of Squatch. Um, vertices just is the plural of vertex, so we were both right. Oh, do you want to talk a little bit about um, uh, Kimono My House? We can. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I, I think it'd be good <laughs> cool, to talk about. Cool. Yeah, um, Kimono My House, me and my friend Andy Gish started it. On March 13th, 2020, that was the day of that the shutdown started in Atlanta mm-hmm. for most people. And she had, I was sitting on my porch and I saw she had posted something on Facebook. She wasn't really sure um, what, what she wanted to do, but she wanted to do something to give people some sort of virtual means of staying connected for maybe, you know, a month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we yeah. didn't think it would last very long at the right. time, right? You right. know, so I suggested I was like, well, why don't we do a Facebook group 
and then we can go live within the group. And we invited a handful of friends and it took off really, really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it was obviously very, very needed. And now we have right around 8,000 members from all over the world. And it's slowed down a little, you know, sure, as yeah. we're getting out there and doing more like live in-person shows. Right. But we still have like regular programming in there. Like we have like people do like weekly shows and stuff like mm -hmm. that, which is really, really fun. And that's kept it. That's kept it going. Um, we had a guy. He hasn't performed in a while, but like early on was it was really, really wonderful because it really was that means of keeping people connected and I met so many new friends from it, which is crazy to think of how many people I met like over the course of the pandemic. Yeah. But there's one guy who he's from um, Pakistan and he, he performed. I don't know how he came across the group, how he found us, mm -hmm. but just amazing. He does amazing, like meditative, like guitar based stuff, just beautiful, beautiful. So we've got anything from that to like, you know, metal to yeah. someone in their bedroom maybe the, they've written a handful of songs but never done like a show in front of it runs the gamut but it's been a wonderful means of of staying connected with like for me to stay connected with atlanta a mm -hmm. bit too because I, I loved atlanta and i lived there for 16 years until 2020 so it's been it's been very very surprising and in a really beautiful way. Oh, nice. So yeah, check it out. It's a Facebook, um, Facebook group, you know, come yeah. out of my house. So, okay, yeah. cool. If a bird in one hand is worth two with one stone or something like that, so they say, well, maybe they'd understand how to get across the road and make it back home at the end of the day. I like a good challenge, but I'm not so sure that this is a game that's worth winning. So I'm gonna give up and I'm gonna give in Cause I'm just too tired of pretending And if I learn from my past Maybe I'd stop repeating The things that feel good That hurt you so bad Some people love This is a game that's worth winning So I'm gonna give up And I'm gonna give in Cause I'm just too tired of pretending Yeah, I'm just too tired of pretending
So Bird in One Hand, um, now that I've moved back to North Carolina and to the small town where I grew up, I'm trying to embrace my twang and my like country roots a little more, mainly because I can't, you know, I can't not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, right. it's like, it's so, it's so me. Yeah. And I'm obviously very, very Southern. Um, so that was just, I just wanted to write a country song. And it started out being like, I love it when you take little phrases like a bird, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like when you take phrases, but you kind of mess them up. My mom does that from time to time, yeah. not on purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so funny to me. And so when I first sat down to write that, I, I thought about trying to make a song that was just that, mm-hmm. but it didn't last past like, the first verse because right. i was like that's just crazy <laughs> so then i ended up just making it like a song about you know really messed up relationships basically mm-hmm. and sometimes i think the best option although it can be hard and it can make you feel like you've failed but i think the best thing to do is sometimes walk away yeah and that was really what i was focused on when i was putting that one together if you want to do just have the spirit of the um there's a there's a phrase for the thing you're talking about and I can't quite think of it, but mm. you could you could add a, a parenthetical to the title. You mm. didn't even have to change the lyric, but you could call it "bird in one hand" and in parentheses half a dozen of another. True. So it'd be like mixing two. Yes. Yeah, I exactly. could tell you. I could tell you didn't love that idea. That's all right. You don't. No, have to no, no. You don't have to. I do. Okay. I like. I I love little. Goofy right. things like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can use that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You don't even have to give me co-write credit. I don't think you can co-write credit for the title of a song. Yeah, yeah especially when it already exists. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But yeah. you never know. Just just moving words from one place to another is not not helping write anything. What's your uh, favorite holiday? My favorite holiday is Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead. Oh. Yeah. Okay. My husband and I got married on Day of the Dead. Oh yeah. We and. 
I mean, of course, I know all about it, but for people who might not, can you tell tell them what Day of the Dead is? Sure, yeah. I know it a, li- I know it a little bit, just as a uh, predominantly yeah. Mexican holiday, It's right? a Mexican holiday, yeah. Dia de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. And I really only came to know about it because my husband and I got married in Mexico on Day of the Dead, mm-hmm. but not on purpose. Like, oh, we yeah. just happened to... We, and, and you when accidentally we were got there, married. <laughs> yes. So, it was a crazy mix em up, like on Three's Company or something. And, it was. Yeah. And it was like, wait, it's like, are we celebrating dead people or yeah. are we getting married? It's like, you let's were, just do both. You were both engaged to other people and then yeah, wrong yes. address. Exactly. But no, we, we wanted to get married in Mexico. And then, we, hmm. you know, we went down there a few days before, I guess we probably went down there about October 29th, 30th, something like that. And when we were there, we were like, then it occurred to us, it's like, oh yeah, duh, it's Day of the Dead in around this time period in Mexico. And it was just, um, it was, I thought it was so neat. And I just love the idea. I mean, I think in our country, we are often so hesitant to just talk openly about death and Mm -hmm. it makes us very uncomfortable. And I loved that there in Mexico, seeing that it's something that they celebrate. Um, And I just, I think that's amazing. And I want to think that when I leave this earth, I would love it if it can be like a celebration. Yeah. You know? Um, So yeah, that that became my favorite holiday because it coincides with my anniversary. But I also just think it's really, really cool. So do you guys do anything day of the day, day of the dead? I'm going to start over. Do you guys do anything day of the dead related on your anniversary? Well, for our first anniversary, we've been married 15 years Mm -hmm. coming up for our first anniversary. We got matching tattoos. Oh, okay. Oh, Um, Johnny. And (laughs) God, (laughs) no. Oh, (laughs) so we've done. We've done, um, we've done that was the biggest thing we did, but uh, you know, we like, sometimes we'll make like the sugar skull cookies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Not, we don't always do something yeah. day of the dead esque, but we try to at least celebrate the anniversary part. <laughs> do, uh, or is there, is there any kind of, uh, implication, you know, in Mexican, in the day of the dead tradition, uh, any kind of implication about getting married on the day of the dead? Like, is it? In Mexico, where it is celebrated, is it more like are people more likely or less likely? To, I expect you to know all the details about. I'm this. sorry that I don't. Oh, that man. is not something that I know, well, and I probably should know it. That's my then, fault. I should have told you in the introductory email to no, research all your holidays. It's, right. It's yeah. okay, but I mean, I want to think. Hopefully, it's not this big no-no right. in their culture, you know. But Curse. at the same time, it's like it's probably good that I didn't. You know, it was a day that, for whatever reason, that was right. what we wanted to yeah. do. And it just so happened that it also was that day, that holiday, and in that place, you know. That's cool, um, But, yeah, I, I do not know. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Oh, what was I thinking? Trying to keep you around and prevent you from sinking. Well, I think I lost you. When we kissed on the couch and we listened to you too It was such a good New Year's Day But I should have known it would fade 
Probably the oh yeah, it's the oldest song on the album, as far as when I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I must have written it about seven or eight years ago, and it went through several different iterations. Um, and I was I'm glad to finally get it out in the universe. It's probably you know the most. I guess it's probably the most rocking song, one one of the more rocking songs on the album, mm-hmm. and it was one of the most fun to work on especially the the vocal harmonies because i recorded the harmonies at jerry's studio Uh and i really just kind of pulled them out of my butt (laughs) um kind of spurred the moment i was like let's just try this and we'll we'll see if this works and it was just really really fun to sing along with that because by that point in the recording process you know all the rest of the song was was there Uh and so it was just like in in my headphones was just like this full band version of this song and i felt like oh i finally got this song to a point where it's like yes this this sounds yeah. like something i want people to hear yeah. <laughs> you know because like i said it'd been through i'd been through a lot of different like tweaks and stuff over the years but 
Yeah, it's um, looking back at a college relationship and what I should have learned from it. Yeah. I don't know if I actually did learn much, but... This is my favorite kind of lyric that has, um, you know, it has a lot of details that are, you know, meaningful to you mm-hmm. and kind of um, not specifically meaningful to the listener, but also like specific and detailed enough that it kind of clues you in that it's a real situation. Yeah. You know, kind of like when you're watching a movie and mm-hmm. something happens and you're like, they didn't explain why that happened. And maybe you'll find out later, but also maybe it's just in there because that's how really people act, you know, maybe it's right. not about the plot, but maybe it's just, maybe it's just the thing that, you know, if someone was walking down a hall, this is something they would do regardless of right. the story or something. Yeah. Absolutely. It gives you more insight into that person. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if, if they took that out of the movie, you might not think, oh, well, that doesn't even play this big part, but maybe it does. Right. Because it yeah. actually, yeah, gives you a lot more um, information about that person. Yeah. I yeah. like that. That's yeah. Cool. What's the sit like silliest song you've ever written? Like, not that you've recorded, but have you ever like had something that you started to write? Like you're just writing, you know, pork and beans and you know writing a song about pork and beans while you figure out what it's really going to be about i've written a lot of silly songs and i've released them also okay yeah Yeah. Yeah. like it's kind of a thing that i've for better or for worse Mm -hmm. i like if i stick with the song long enough to make it a song Mm -hmm. then i do i like to try to record it and get it out there even if it's you know I write a lot of really sad songs, but I've written a handful of really, really silly songs too. And like most recently, and this song is, it's really, really fun to play. And I feel like it provides some levity in my live shows too, because I can get kind of sad and dark, Mm -hmm. but I have a a song called sugar daddy that um, I wrote inspired by an Instagram message that I got from a stranger and he basically was proposing that he be my sugar daddy. <laughs> I did yeah. not respond to the Instagram message, uh, but I wrote a really cheeky, funny, silly song about it. And I love that. I love just that exploring the wide variety of yeah. emotions that one can feel yeah. through song is sort of my thing. So, yeah, I'm all about the silly songs. <laughs> well, we've got him here tonight on the other line, sugar daddy. <laughs> Come on in. I'll, I'll, no, uh, co- no co-writing credit. I'll later on. I'll later on edit in somebody talking. I'll have to get somebody real and you know pretend like it's that person. Tell me about a favorite toy you had as a kid. Yeah. God dang! What was that robot's name? Shoot. I had a toy robot. Mm-hmm. And I cannot remember his name, but it was a pretty common toy in the 80s. Hmm. And it in the front of it, it had an, an eight track tape. Yes. Yes. Did he have a really round head? Wait. It had a square head, a square with head. red eyes. But eight track tape. And then it had the thing because of the way the eight tracks work, you know, you would click buttons and it was almost like a choose your own adventure thing or something like that. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Okay. All right. Because I love that thing. Oh, he's so cute. Mega 2XL. 
He was called the 2XL. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I didn't have one, but I think I knew somebody who had one. Man, that thing was cool. And yeah, for me, it, like I actually had eight track. I had eight tracks. Yeah. You know, um, the first music that was ever like gifted me. Mm-hmm. My uncle gave me some Beatles eight track tapes. Oh, that was my oh, first eight track, Abbey Road. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. Mine was like a one of one of their kind of like greatest hits mm-hmm. sort of things, but it was like two or three eight track tapes, and I would play it on this little robot along with the whatever you know, came with the robot and right. you know, make the different selections and stuff. I love that thing. Did you give him his own name? You know, I wish I could remember, but I, I don't remember. I do not think I did. I don't remember if I did. And would you love it if someone gave you one for this Christmas? No, oh, yeah. of course. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'll make a few calls and see what I can arrange. <laughs> yeah. Would absolutely love that very yeah. much. Yeah. Cause I don't know. I'll have to, see if he still exists in my mom's old closet but i don't i think he's long gone okay thanks to kim for being on the podcast that's part one we'll have part two coming up don't forget to get her that robot for next christmas or her birthday or just a random day a robot day probably uh, you can find kim and the good graces at thegoodgraces.org You can find their music at thegoodgraces.bandcamp.com. And don't forget to go to Facebook and search for Kimono My House. And also, Kim's got a new album coming up pretty soon. So uh, follow her on social media so you know when that comes out. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Just search WNC Original Music or go to uh, wncoriginalmusic.com. Also, make sure to support all of your local and independent musicians. Go out and buy their music. Bandcamp.com is usually the best place uh, to support you musicians because they get, I think, about 85% of the uh, of, of what you pay for that. And also go see bands live and just send them a message and just tell them that you like what they're doing. You like their music and you like, uh, you like their vibe. Whatever you like about them, just tell them, you know, within reason. That's it for now. Have a good week. Stay groovy, Asheville. Yeah, man. <laughs>